the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so Matthew's Gospel presents Jesus as King, and some of the scholars have called this Sermon on the Mount the Manifesto of the King, King Jesus. And so we want to know from the Bible what this kingdom is all about, and that's why we're investing these weeks studying the Sermon on the Mount, because in it, Jesus describes His kingdom. How would you define a kingdom? Well, we're going to hear a definition in just a moment as Pastor Leighton Sheely begins another edition of Study Verse by Verse. We've been on the air for a number of years as an outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and would love to know that you listen. You can go to our website at highlands.us and share that information simply by clicking on the contact link. Again, that web address is highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. So glad you've joined us on this Monday. And now here's Pastor Layton. Now, a kingdom exists wherever the will of the king is done. And Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. Now, the Sermon on the Mount begins in chapter 5, but it's introduced in chapter 4. Verse 12, it says, Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he, Jesus, withdrew into Galilee. And a few verses later in, in 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so when Jesus preached, he preached about the kingdom of heaven, also known as the kingdom of God. The the titles are used interchangeably in the scripture. In fact, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven uh, without going through God because it's also the kingdom of God. And a kingdom is where the will of the king takes priority. So God needs to be our king in order for us to be part of his kingdom. And the reason that Jesus calls us to repent is that we have not been doing things the way the king wants us to do them. We've been doing things our own way. But if we want to be part of God's kingdom, then we need to put God's will first. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, the word walk means more than just walk. It talks about a lifestyle, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of of his beloved son. It's interesting that the author uses two different words here. Uh, He distinguishes domain from kingdom. The word domain is the word exousia, and, and it emphasizes a rule by might and control, whether that's legitimate or illegitimate. But the word that he uses for kingdom is basileia, 
which describes where rule is established by legitimate inheritance. And what that means is that Jesus is a legitimate ruler, but Satan rules by overwhelming and enslaving those in his domain. That is why God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. God has delivered us from Satan's slavery. But Satan is not going to give up without a fight. And so there's this war that's taking place, and we're a part of it, whether we like it or not. And by our decisions and our actions, we're either supporting the domain of darkness or we're supporting the kingdom of Jesus uh, and light. And the fight takes place within us and around us, in both the physical and the spiritual realm. The, the, the fight takes place within us, regardless of how great a Christian and how mature we might be. Would you agree that the Apostle Paul was probably one of the greatest believers, greatest Christians who ever lived? He wrote a third of the New Testament, uh, established churches all across the world, and yet the Apostle Paul experienced this internal fight. He said so himself in Romans chapter 7. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And so the Apostle Paul is being very transparent here. He's saying, the good I would like to do, I can't do. I can't carry it out. But the stuff I don't want to do, the stuff I know it's displeasing to God, that's the stuff I do. And he goes on a few verses later, and he, he vents his frustration. What a wretched man I am. Do you struggle with sin in your life? You're not alone. We all do. Even the apostle Paul did, and so did the apostle John. He wrote, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So the reality is, as long as we continue to breathe, Christians are going to have this fight within, between the old nature and the new nature. And not only is this fight within us, but it's outside of us as well. And our decisions affect the war that's being fought in the spiritual realm. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He's making it clear that we're involved in the battle, whether we like it or not. God's kingdom is invading this world, and if we're part of God's kingdom, we need to be prepared for battle. And then he goes on to describe those preparations. But not only are we fighting within and around us in the spiritual realm, but we're also fighting in the physical realm as well. The culture, godless culture that we live in. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, We are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. To obey Christ is to do the will of God. 
To do the will of God is to be part of the kingdom of God, also the kingdom of heaven. And so we contribute our part in this battle by destroying false arguments and capturing thoughts of rebellion against God. Now, let me give you an example of a false argument based on human reasoning. Our culture inundates us to believe a philosophy that normal is right. Normal is right. That's why we're constantly being told the things we know are abnormal are normal. One slogan that encapsulates this philosophy is, it must be right because everybody's doing it. Well, the logic is that if everybody, whoever that is, is doing it, then it's normal. And if it's normal, it's right. The philosophy is not biblical. Let me show you a simple illustration that makes this clear. If this philosophy that normal is right is true, then sin would be right because everyone sins. There's only one person in the history that has not sinned, and that's Jesus. Apostle Paul said, all have sinned. And just because all have sinned and it's therefore normal, that doesn't make sin right. Normal does not determine right and wrong. God does. There's another similar philosophy that we need to be aware of that some people have, and that is legal makes it right. But again, Throughout history, governments have passed laws contrary to God's laws, such as the laws that were passed in Germany in the 30s and 40s. And the fact that something is legal doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Legality doesn't determine right and wrong. God does. And Jesus said if we do things God's way, we will be rewarded. He said that multiple times earlier in this chapter, and we studied that in previous sermons. The final sentence in the portion of Scripture that immediately precedes verse 19 is, And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. All right? Jesus has been talking about rewards. And it's a perfect segue into the subject of laying up treasure in heaven. Because the only way we can lay up treasure in heaven is by doing what God rewards. I need to say that again so it's very, very clear. The only way... We can lay up treasure in heaven is by doing what God rewards. You might say, well, I, let me try something else. You know, if you go to your banker and you say, listen, I want to I wire some of my wealth to my account in heaven, you're not likely to receive a very warm reception. The only way we can lay up treasure in heaven is by doing what God rewards. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or maimon, as translated by the King James Version. Up to this point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is primarily focused on our vertical relationship with God, but here he turns our attentions to the horizontal dimensions 
of how we interact with the people and the things around us. So how should we live our lives on this horizontal level? How should we regard material things like food and clothing and money? And, and how should we think about our future in terms of possessions and, and so forth? And how should we relate to people who are different from us and don't act as we think that they should? And what do these matters have to do with the fact that we belong to God and should be learning to trust Him? Well, this is what Jesus addresses beginning in verse 19. He talks about our wealth, our worry, judging others, our constant need for prayer. And then the section ends with one of probably the most best-known sayings of the Sermon on the Mount, the Golden Rule. Which is, come on, you know it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, I look forward to uh, hearing more from this particular message from Pastor Leighton Sheely, and I hope you do as well. We'll be back tomorrow at this same time with the continuation. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Highlands, where Pastor Leighton Sheely is senior pastor, you can go to their website at highlands.us or give them a call at 650-873-4095. All the details can be found on that website, and if you'd like to listen to all of the past broadcasts in this series, you'll find them there as well. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for being with us today. Come back tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.